0: Chapter 7 of Under the Lilacs by Louisa May Alcott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. New Friends Trot In. Next day Ben ran off to his work with Quackenboss's Elementary History of the United States in his pocket, and the squire's cows had ample time to breakfast on wayside grass before they were put into their pasture. Even then, the pleasant lesson was not ended, for Ben had an errand to town, and all the way he read busily, tumbling over the hard words and leaving bits which he did not understand to be explained at night by Bab. At the first settlements, he had to stop, for the schoolhouse was reached, and the book must be returned. The maple tree closet was easily found, and a little surprise hidden under the flat stone for Ben paid two sticks of red and white candy for the privilege of taking books from the new library. When recess came, great was the rejoicing of the children over their unexpected treat, for Mrs. Moss had few pennies to spare for sweets, and somehow this candy tasted particularly nice, bought out of grateful Ben's solitary dime. The little girls shared their goodies with their favourite mates, but said nothing about the new arrangement, fearing it would be spoilt if generally known. They told their mother, however, and she gave them leave to lend their books and encourage Ben to love learning all they could. She also proposed that they should drop patchwork and help her make some blue shirts for Ben. Mrs. Barton had given her the materials, and she thought it would be an excellent lesson in needlework as well as a useful gift to Ben, who, boy-like, never troubled himself as to what he should wear when his one suit of clothes gave out. Wednesday afternoon was the sewing time, so the two little bees worked busily at a pair of shirt sleeves sitting on their bench in the doorway, while the rusty needles creaked in and out and the childish voices sang school songs with frequent stoppages for lively chatter. For a week, Ben worked away bravely and never shirked nor complained although pat put many a hard or disagreeable job upon him and chores grew more and more distasteful his only comfort was the knowledge that mrs moss and the squire were satisfied with him his only pleasure the lessons he learned while driving the cows and recited in the evening when the three children met under the lilacs to play school he had no thought of studying when he began and hardly knew that he was doing it as he pored over the different books he took from the library. But the little girls tried him with all they possessed and he was mortified to find out how ignorant he was. He never owned it in words, but gladly accepted all the bits of knowledge they offered from their small store, getting Betty to hear him spell, just for fun. "'agreeing to draw Bab all the bears and taggers she wanted "'if she would show him how to do sums on the flags, "'and often beguiled his lonely labours "'by trying to chant the multiplication table as they did. "'When Tuesday night came round, the squire paid him a dollar, "'said he was a likely boy, and might stay another week if he chose. "'Ben thanked him and thought he would, "'but the next morning, after he had put up the bars, he remained sitting on the top rail to consider his prospects, for he felt uncommonly reluctant to go back to the society of rough pat. Like most boys, he hated work, unless it was of a sort which just suited him. Then he could toil like a beaver and never tire. His wandering life had given him no habits of steady industry, and while he was an unusually capable lad of his age, He dearly loved to loaf about and have a good deal of variety and excitement in his life. Now he saw nothing before him but days of patient and very uninteresting labor. He was heartily sick of weeding, even riding duke before the cultivator had lost its charms, and a great pile of wood lay in the squire's yard, which he knew he would be set to piling up in the shed. Strawberry-picking would soon follow the asparagus cultivation, then haying, and so on all the long, bright summer, without any fun, unless his father came for him. On the other hand, he was not obliged to stay a minute longer unless he liked. With a comfortable suit of clothes, a dollar in his pocket, and a row of dinner baskets hanging in the schoolhouse entry, to supply him with provisions if he didn't mind stealing them, what was easier than to run away again? Tramping had its charms in fair weather, and Ben had lived like a gypsy under canvas for years, so he feared nothing, and began to look down the leafy road with a restless, wistful expression, as the temptation grew stronger and stronger every minute. Sancho seemed to share the longing, for he kept running off a little way and stopping to frisk and bark, then rushed back to sit watching his master with those intelligent eyes of his, which seemed to say, Come on, Ben, let us scamper down this pleasant road and never stop till we are tired. Swallows darted by, white clouds fled before the balmy west wind, a squirrel ran along the wall and all things seemed to echo the boy's desire to leave toil behind and roam away as carefree as they. One thing restrained him. The thought of his seeming ingratitude to good Mrs. Moss and the disappointment of the little girls at the loss of their two new playfellows. While he paused to think of this, something happened which kept him from doing what he would have been sure to regret. Afterward, horses had always been his best friends, and one came trotting up to help him now, though he did not know how much he owed it till long after. Just in the act of swinging himself over the bars to take a short cut across the fields, the sound of approaching hoofs, unaccompanied by the roll of wheels, caught his ear, and pausing, he watched eagerly to see who was coming at such a pace. At the turn of the road, however, the quick trot stopped, and in a moment a lady on a bay mare came pacing slowly into sight, a young and pretty lady, all in dark blue, with a bunch of dandelions like yellow stars in her buttonhole, and a silver-handled whip hanging from the pommel of her saddle, evidently more for ornament than use. The handsome mare limped a little and shook her head as if something plagued her, while her mistress leaned down to see what was the matter, saying, as if she expected an answer of some sort, Now, Chevalita, if you have got a stone in your foot, I shall have to get off and take it out. Why don't you look where you step and save me all this trouble? I'll look for you, ma'am. I'd like to, said an eager voice so unexpectedly that both horse and rider started as a boy came down the bank with a jump. I wish you would. You need not be afraid. Lita is as gentle as a lamb, answered the young lady, smiling as if amused by the boy's earnestness. She's a beauty, anyway, muttered Ben, lifting one foot after another till he found the stone, and with some trouble got it out. That was nicely done, and I'm much obliged. Can you tell me if that crossroad leads to the elms? asked the lady as she went slowly on with ben beside her no ma'am i'm new in these parts and i only know where squire morris and mrs moss live i want to see both of them so suppose you show me the way i was here long ago and i thought i should remember how to find the old house with the elm avenue and the big gate but i don't i know it they call that place the laylocks now cause there's a hedge of em all down the path and front wall it's a real pretty place bab and betty play there and so do i ben could not restrain a chuckle at the recollection of his first appearance there and as if his merriment or his words interested her the lady said pleasantly tell me about it are bab and betty your sisters quite forgetting his intended tramp ben plunged into a copious history of himself and new-made friends led on by a kind look, an inquiring word, and sympathetic smile, till he had told everything. At the schoolhouse corner he stopped and said, spreading his arms like a signpost, That's the way to the laylocks, and this is the way to the squires. As I'm in a hurry to see the old house, I'll go this way first, if you will be kind enough to give my love to Mrs. Morris, and tell the squire Miss Celia is coming to dine with him. I won't say good-bye because I shall see you again. With a nod and a smile, the young lady cantered away, and Ben hurried up the hill to deliver his message, feeling as if something pleasant was going to happen, so it would be wise to defer running away, for the present at least. At one o'clock Miss Celia arrived, and Ben had the delight of helping Pat stable pretty Chevalita, then his own dinner hastily eaten he fell to work at the detested woodpile with sudden energy, for as he worked, he could steal peeps into the dining-room and see the curly brown head between the two grey ones as the three sat round the table. He could not help hearing a word now and then, as the windows were open, and these bits of conversation filled him with curiosity, for the names Thorny, Celia, and George were often repeated, and an occasional merry laugh from the young lady sounded like music in that usually quiet place. When dinner was over, Ben's industrious fit left him, and he leisurely trundled his barrow to and fro till the guest departed. There was no chance for him to help now, since Pat, anxious to get whatever trifle might be offered for his services, was quite devoted in his attentions to the mare and her mistress till she was mounted and off. But Miss Celia did not forget her little guide, and, spying a wistful face behind the woodpile, paused at the gate and beckoned with that winning smile of hers. If ten pats had stood scowling in the way, Ben would have defied them all, and, vaulting over the fence, he ran up with a shining face, "'hoping she wanted some last favour of him. "'Leaning down, Miss Celia slipped a new quarter into his hand, "'saying, Lita wants me to give you this "'for taking the stone out of her foot. "'Thank ye, ma'am. "'I liked to do it, for I hate to see him limp, "'specially such a pretty one as she is,' "'answered Ben, stroking the glossy neck with a loving touch. "'The squire says you know a good deal about horses.' so i suppose you understand the Hui nim language i'm learning it and it is very nice laughed miss celia as chevalita gave a little whinny and snuffled her nose into ben's pocket no miss i never went to school that is not taught there i'll bring you a book all about it when i come back mr gulliver went to the horse country and heard the dear things speak their own tongue "'My father has been on the prairies "'where there's lots of wild ones, "'but he didn't hear em speak. "'I know what they want without talkin', "'answered Ben, suspecting a joke, "'but not exactly seeing what it was. "'I don't doubt it, but I won't forget the book. "'Good-bye, my lad. "'We shall soon meet again.' "'And away went Miss Celia, "'as if she were in a hurry to get back. "'If she only had a red habit— "'and a streamin' white feather, she'd look as fine as Melia used to. "'She is most as kind and rides most as well. "'Wonder where she's goin' to. "'Hope she will come soon,' thought Ben, "'watching till the last flutter of the blue habit vanished round the corner, "'and then he went back to his work with his head full of the promised book. "'pausing now and then to chink the two silver halves "'and the new quarter together in his pocket, "'wondering what he should buy with this vast sum. "'Bab and Betty, meantime, had had a most exciting day, "'for when they went home at noon, "'they found the pretty lady there, "'and she had talked to them like an old friend, "'given them a ride on the little horse "'and kissed them both good-bye when they went back to school.' In the afternoon, the lady was gone, the old house all open, and their mother sweeping, dusting, airing in great spirits. So they had a splendid frolic tumbling on feather beds, beating bits of carpet, opening closets, and racing from garret to cellar like a pair of distracted kittens. Here Ben found them, and was at once overwhelmed with a burst of news which excited him as much as it did them. Miss Celia owned the house, was coming to live there, and things were to be made ready as soon as possible. All thought the prospect a charming one. Mrs. Moss, because life had been dull for her during the year she had taken charge of the old house. The little girls had heard rumours of various pets who were coming, and Ben, learning that a boy and a donkey were among them, "'resolved that nothing but the arrival of his father "'should tear him from this now deeply interesting spot. "'I'm in such a hurry to see the peacocks and hear them scream. "'She said they did, and that we laugh when old Jack brayed,' cried Bab, "'hopping about on one foot to work off her impatience. "'Is a phaeton a kind of bird? "'I heard her say she could keep it in the coach-house,' asked Betty inquiringly. It's a little carriage, and Ben rolled in the grass, much tickled at poor Betty's ignorance. Of course it is. I looked it out in the Dick, and you mustn't call it a Peyton, though it is spelt with a P, added Bab, who liked to lay down the law on all occasions and did not mention that she had looked vainly among the F's till a schoolmate set her right. You can't tell me much about carriages. "'But what I want to know is where Lita will stay,' said Ben. "'Oh, she's to be up at the Squire's till things are fixed, "'and you are to bring her down. "'Squire came and told Ma all about it "'and said you were a boy to be trusted, for he had tried you.' "'Ben made no answer, but secretly thanked his stars "'that he had not proved himself untrustworthy by running away "'and so missing all this fun.' "'Won't it be fine to have the house open all the time? "'We can run over and see the pictures and books whenever we like. "'I know we can. Miss Celia is so kind,' began Betty, "'who cared for these things more than for screaming peacocks and comical donkeys. "'Not unless you are invited,' answered their mother, locking the front door behind her. "'You'd better begin to pick up your duds right away, "'for she won't want them clattering round her front yard.' "'If you are not too tired, Ben, you might rake round a little while I shut the blinds. "'I want things to look nice and tidy.' Two little groans went up from the two afflicted little girls "'as they looked about them at the shady bower, the dear porch, "'and the winding walks where they loved to run, "'till their hair whistled in the wind, as the fairy books say. "'Whatever shall we do?' Our attic is so hot and the shed so small and the yard always full of hens or clothes. We shall have to pack all our things away and never play any more, said Bab tragically. Maybe Ben could build us a little house in the orchard, proposed Betty, who firmly believed that Ben could do anything. He won't have any time. Boys don't care for baby houses, returned Bab. "'collecting her homeless goods and chattels with a dismal face. "'We shan't want these much when all the new things come. "'See if we do,' said cheerful little Betty, "'who always found out a silver lining to every cloud.'" End of Chapter 7